to the podcast. There's been so much going on recently. When we set this wellbeing calendar up with all these different events and podcasts throughout the year, we did not know that we would be going through what we have done in terms of 2020. So with so much that's been going on and that we've been experiencing, I've been very conscious that it's been impacting on our mental well-being. And so for that reason, I think it's really important that we just take time to acknowledge this. I wanted us to have the opportunity to slow down and actually really think about how we respond, how we reflect, but most importantly, how we repair and prepare ourselves. So you're lucky enough to, for me to have asked my team, the guys that work for me with me today. Many of my podcasts have had experts on and today is no different. I'm so lucky, but actually I'm also really outnumbered because uh, I've got a team of psychologists working for me. But the joy is you guys get to have the, the wealth of their experience with us today. So I would just like you guys to, to introduce yourself. We start with USJ, move around to Anne and then yourself, Christy. Hi everyone, my name is Shahani Jayasinghe. I'm a rehabilitation wellbeing consultant and my background is in occupational psychology and occupational health. Um, so in the past I've had uh, been able to risk manage potential physical and psychological health risks for employees looking at return to work support in the workplace and having that holistic approach. Lovely. Anne? Yes, hello, my name is Anne. I'm also part of Beth's team. Um, my background being in psychology uh, has been in rehabilitation as well as working in clinical settings. So I've been involved mostly with helping people to improve and develop their mental health and their well-being so that they can get on with their functioning in their day-to-day -day lives, be they at work or at home. And last but not least. Hi everyone, my name's Christy O'Donovan. I'll keep it short and sweet in terms of my background. So I've got a background um, in psychology, specialising in counselling. Um, similarly to Shahani, really looking at that whole holistic approach of wellbeing, helping with return to work support and also um, businesses and line manager support as well in supporting employees in all things health and wellbeing. So return to work is obviously a big focus for us and, and quite a big outcome measure in terms of the, the provision that we give through UNAM. However, all of us as a team, our big focus is on resilience, the importance of kind of movement and, and you know, setting up your, your workstation, getting yourself moving during the day, looking after your emotional, physical, lifestyle health alongside that kind of absence management piece and then looking at that real well-being strategy for businesses so that's where we're all coming from today is to really focus on on that well-being mental health resilience so on and so forth so we debated the title of this session and the name of this podcast is not really the most important piece of it all but we ended up with what we thought was a brilliant name being well being you but now all I can hear is the ABBA song. Uh, <laughs> but the point of the session, despite the very catchy title, is to think about how we can all, all of us, really take proactive and positive steps when it comes to our mental health. Other people say we need to take a look at our mental health and then separately our physical health. I've just got a massive soapbox when it comes to that sort of thing. We need to just be talking about our health. So many times we almost like neglect the mental health aspect and we need to take our own holistic approach when we think about getting healthy. Don't just think about eating kale and running 5k five days a week. 
that's there's more to it than that are you aware of you know are you grateful for things that you achieve every single day are you compassionate with yourself do you even practice things like relaxation or mindfulness are you also looking after your the, your diet and your well-being it's it's absolutely everything so it's about being healthy it's it's a kind of all-encompassing piece so you know that's what I really want to get across that's my big bugbear uh, but my question to the team is why do you believe being mentally healthy is linked really so closely with well-being and we see it absolutely every single day so I'll, I'll start with with yourself Christy what are your thoughts so the team will laugh because um, well-being has been a bit of a buzzword that's now been around for the last couple of years, but we don't want it to just be that buzzword. Um, as I said, the team will laugh because I always describe well-being as being well. It's the simplest way to think about it. But being well, but being well isn't just the absence of illness. It's really looking at our life as that whole picture. The dictionary definition of well-being is being comfortable, healthy and happy, which for me absolutely links into that enjoyment of life and therefore our mental health. Perfectly summarised there, Christy. What about yourself, Shahani? Yeah, I think Christy got it spot on there. And I think you're so right in saying that, you know, mental health and being mentally healthy is just it's more than that absence of illness. And it's that state of overall well-being. And although there are links certainly between mental health and well-being, mental illness and well-being are independent dimensions. Mental health is not simply the opposite of mental illness, because it's possible for someone with a mental disorder to have high levels of well-being. And it's also possible with someone who has low levels of well-being without a mental disorder being there in place. That's kind of really related to the mental health continuum to an extent, isn't it, Shahani? Um, and I yeah, think absolutely. That, yeah. So if anyone is ever interested in that, you can you can see a, if you just look up mental health continuum. Um, it's it's a really interesting kind of. I want it's like an axis, really, isn't it? And you can move along the axis, and you can be you can have a diagnosis of a, a mental health condition, and you can be in a really great state of well-being. It's kind of being north of that border alternatively you don't have to have a diagnosis of a mental health condition and you can have poor well-being and in the same sense you can have a really rotten cold really rotten cough and that just makes you feel so rubbish that again you move down that well-being continuum it moves it moves around and um, I think that's it's a really interesting thing if anyone wanted to have, have a look further into that so being mentally healthy linking closely with well-being what are your your thoughts and anything extra to add yeah, I would certainly agree with everything that Shahani and Christy have already said. Um, the two terms, mentally healthy and, and well-being, aren't interchangeable, but they're certainly closely linked when we're healthy. So we have that holistic approach to health. We have good well-being and, and good mental health. That's when I would consider that we're thriving, that we have we feel we have agency in our lives, that we're able to get on and do the things that we want to do, live the life that we want to have, despite our circumstances. And I think for us, that's important. That's a, that's a goal for all of us. Um, and so certainly those two things are, are quite closely linked in terms of our, our focus. Thanks for that, guys. So really what we're saying is that we need to be well, Christy, be well. <laughs> uh, it's, it's holistic um you know just to kind of look after ourselves now thinking about what's been happening in recent times during 2020 the year of 
what was it the um Jumanji game <laughs> it's yeah. not been crazy <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've got this I've got this thing in my mind where I feel like some people have, have probably coped you know Christy you shared with us before that thing about the corona coaster and your emotions up and down and it's it's really challenging and really testing for everyone but I feel like there are some people that may well have come out in a better place than others because of the fact that they have been doing all of that work beforehand or they've maintained all of that good work during it you know like they've kept themselves active they've kept themselves fit they've they've not dropped off on any of those um elements and to me that's kind of that's the the reality of being proactive would you say is that that's that you know you've you've been proactive about your well-being all the way through so if you're trying to think about what does proactive and reactive well-being or looking after yourself look like um when we take medicine when we're sick we're reacting. I'm unwell, so I've reacted and therefore I've taken medicine. What we're trying to do is actually not get sick in the pl- first place. We're trying to be proactive, keep ourselves supplemented well, um, you know, internally and externally, being healthy in general. So I feel like we hear an awful lot about that kind of reactive versus proactive. Uh, for you guys as, as the experts, what do you think that means, Chahani? Yeah, I think absolutely with, agree with what you said. And I think that proactive approach looks at, you know, eliminating problems before they've had a chance to actually happen and appear. And the reactive approach is based on responding to events after they've actually happened. And I often like to use change as an example. So again, given the current situation we're in in 2020, a lot of us have had to adapt to the situation. And I think proactive people have been really open to that change because they, they see it as moving forward and another step. Whereas reactive people have been stuck in that same routine and maybe felt uncomfortable with that change so it is really about your mindset and your approach as well definitely anyone else yeah so certainly I would agree with what Shahani has said Um, being reactive is responding to an event such as a stressful event whereas being proactive is about taking steps to prevent an issue perhaps from occurring or from lessening the impact. So taking steps to lessen the impact or to mitigate the impact of an event that occurs. Certainly, I think we need to appreciate that uh, things happen to us as human beings. Life happens. We are going to have to be in positions at times when we have to react. You think of our current pandemic, for example. But when it comes to opportunities to be proactive, we could use the analogy of a toolbox. So what can I do? What steps, strategies, tips, um, techniques could I use that could fill my toolbox, my proactive toolbox? So when things happen to us, um, I've already got something there that, supp- that where it puts my well-being in a better position to deal with it. So there's, I think there's a couple of elements that we can consider about being proactive, given that yeah, life throws all sorts of things at us. Now, what do we, you talk about that toolbox? What sort of things could we put in there? What would we want to be putting in our toolbox? Uh, well, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of techniques. Like, where do we start with that? Um, just just do just do one. One. Charlie do one, and Christy do one. One thing that you think is essential to put in your pro, in, yeah. into your proactive toolbox. I think the number one thing that I think is really important is to be able to um, 
train your focus to concentrate on things that you can control, the things that you can influence or persuade, so that agency that you might have for yourself, as opposed to worrying, ruminating on the things that we can't control, that we can't influence or do anything about. And that gives us more um, ability to be able to improve our well-being, to focus on getting things done that are important to us. Okay. So controlling the things you can control, worrying about the things that are in your ability. What about you, Christine? What would be in your toolbox? Um, for me, whilst um, mindfulness isn't something that I necessarily practice, I feel that people can find mindfulness in a lot of different ways. So really bringing in that relaxation, that self-care piece, just taking time out. We've had a lot of time um at home we've had various different things going on but actually still factoring it in that time for rest for relaxation to recoup reset um, we're then letting our bodies kind of reset to that less stress state so that we're able to potentially tackle the next thing that comes at us so for me self-care rest recuperation um, and mindfulness that all plays into that role there I've jotted these things down because we're creating a, a toolkit on the fly. I'm not a bit self, SJ. I think for me, it's always been reflection and self-care. So as part of my personal toolbox for my well-being, that's something that's been key for me. So taking time to reflect on things that go well and also things that don't go so well. And self-care is really, really important. I think in our routines, we get so bogged down with thinking about other people all the time. In the current situation, we've got so many demands with children and parents um, and, you know, all, all types of family members and friends. And ultimately, the most important relationship you will ever have in your life is the relationship you have with yourself so it's really Thank important you. to take time to do things that you enjoy and listening to your mind and body brilliant so if, if for myself I actually probably about I can't even remember 750,000 years ago at the beginning of uh, <laughs> the beginning of all of this uh, stuff I wrote a list of things that I'd actually really learn and one of the biggest things that's in my toolbox is exercise really big important focus for me and not that I'm the fittest person in the world you know and I'm not going running 10 20k I've barely gone for a run but I have to do exercise at least five times a week to keep my brain focused my body focused all the team as you're well aware you'll join me for meetings and I'm covered I've got wet hair or I'm in my gym kit I've either done a workout or I'm about to do a workout and that's that's because that's what I need and I think exercise is a really 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 important one um particularly to, to keep yourself is really linked to resilience as well isn't it um exercise so we just deviated um and Christy we didn't get to hear your answer about reactive versus proactive and what it means to you yeah, so just following on um, what Shahani and Anne said, for me, um, we don't have to wait for a problem to occur before we start using wellbeing techniques or considering well wellbeing. We can um, lay the foundation. So really think, I think something that underpins all of this reactive versus proactive is prevention is better than cure. Um, so if we can lay the foundations, if we can take the steps to be as healthy as we can by proactively engaging in techniques. So we mentioned some of them um, there, but even just things like having a regular sleep routine, um, just being more proactive um, from that prevention piece. So looking to um, prevent rather than having to react and cure. Love it. Sleep is one of my biggest things that I think people need to always get locked down as well. 
Um, but there is a podcast on sleep, should you want to delve deeper into that. And other things that we've also got podcasts on, there's also a podcast on mindfulness as well. So these are all other tools and things that you can dip into um, as well. So if we've all talked about the fact that we're building foundations, we're making ourselves stronger, we're trying to prevent the fact that, you know, when we do go into those difficult times that we're actually well equipped, much able to deal with it, much like that kind of elastic band, we can bend and stretch and shape and then go back into that original shape and our original form because we were already in such a good place. But, uh, you know, I'm just curious to think if, if we're doing all this, could could we actually stop ourselves from getting a mental health condition? I'll start with yourself, Anne. How do you think that we could actually stop ourselves from getting a mental health condition? I don't think we can always stop ourselves from getting a mental health condition. Uh, things, as I mentioned earlier, things outside our of our control do happen at times and they can trigger our, our uh coping mechanisms and underlying issues but there are always things that we can do to help mitigate the effects of that so it's coming back to what can we do to support our well-being um, how can we develop our resilience to respond to stress more more effectively and therefore lessen the impacts on our mental health uh, and if, even if we have a mental health condition we can still do things to improve our ways of coping therefore improve our well-being um, there's a lots of lots of things out there that um, we can try so I yeah I would say that perhaps we can't always stop ourselves from developing mental health issues or conditions but we can certainly mitigate the impacts by focusing on techniques to improve our well-being. You mentioned the word stress in that actually I think that's quite a pivotal piece is is stress can be a precursor you know like that people might um might have an underlying condition that they don't know about or they might be um more risk of getting certain certain uh, mental health conditions and that's that's you know that like exactly like you said it's not avoid it's then it's not avoidable but you can reduce the chance of it by in being able to impact how you respond to a stressful situation so if you're constantly um you know putting extra pressure on yourself you're in a job and we talk about work in a second but if you're in a job that really increases your stress if you're not resilient enough or not looking after your well-being enough they always that's where it's all related isn't it and that's mm -hmm. where actually that you know that is that stress piece exposure to prolonged periods of stress we know uh, can uh, open up your chance of having uh, getting getting unwell uh, with a mental health illness what about yourself christy yeah absolutely there are going to be people who have a predisposition to mental health conditions um as you said which they might not necessarily know about until it's triggered so something's happened that has triggered um that but what we can do is, as you've said, we can use techniques to limit the impact or actually take a step back. And if we are someone who has uh, a, a mental health condition, actually, if we can be more, again, more um, sort of proactive in addressing, understanding, knowing our triggers so that actually maybe we can mm. avoid them where possible or take steps to reduce the impact of that. Um, so if you're um, as, as, as again, we're going to come on to work shortly, but if you know certain um, triggers at work are your um are impacting on your mental health they are a trigger for your mental health condition then actually taking a step back and looking at how we can either reduce the risk of that impact um and it really comes down to um you have to be kind of open and honest with 
with yourself, with what impacts on you. Um, and from that, it then makes the next steps much easier rather than just ignoring what you know are your triggers. Um, obviously, that can make a situation worse and that falls into us not looking after our well-being. We're not actively trying to keep ourselves in that state of being healthy, happy um, and comfortable, whether we've got a mental health condition or not. I, that that trigger thing is so important so we, we I talk about it a lot I had I, I had um, loads and loads of CBT many years ago and was it was really necessary I was really experiencing you know anxiety and panic attacks and avoiding work and you know really really struggling and the the therapy made an absolutely massive difference um, but I learned sort of the key fundamental thought process of myself and my baseline thoughts about myself and they're very negative and they're very sad and and, and it's not a nice thing to, to remember but that's that's the way I you know I, I've been programmed to think about myself for always really poor self-esteem and I notice exactly what you're saying about those triggers when I have probably been traveling more you know like because we do travel a lot in our job when it's been a really busy week when we've had absolutely loads going on so my sleep has been impacted as well when you've been flitting from one thing to another meeting to another meeting the exercise is impacted I I, I have a you know I'm always very open about that I, I drink an awful lot of wine and sometimes you know if I'm traveling a lot I might end up in the evening drinking more than I normally would because it's just chills you out it relaxes you I know it's not ideal but that kind of thing but then that impacts on my negative mood and my low self-esteem and that all the negative thoughts start creeping in so it's exactly what you're saying about those triggers I need to hear those voices those things telling me I'm a, I'm a rubbish person and I'm no good at what I do and hear them and go Beth you've dealt with this you've had hours of therapy that this isn't true this isn't correct but what's been going on in your life right now you've been traveling you've not been drinking great you've not been exercising as much you need to give yourself a couple of days to kind of get yourself back on track do the things that you need to do to look after yourself and then reassess and see if those are actually true thoughts and normally they'll have gone because I've you know I've I know what I need to do, but you've got to know what those triggers are and you've got to know the things that you can adjust in order to support yourself. And it isn't sometimes it's not a comfortable process, you know, yeah. it isn't a nice thing. But but that's a really poignant thing. I think you have to know yourself and know your triggers. Thank you for that. Have you got anything else to add to that, Shahani? No, I think it's really interesting what you said with the triggers. And obviously, thank you for sharing, you know, what your triggers are and, you know, how you overcome that as well. And I think that links back to what we were saying about that reflection piece. And it's a bit of self-evaluation, isn't it? Taking a step back and yeah. it's that self-awareness piece about what your own triggers are, too. And I think that, you know, prevention is linked to mental health and can support people with, you know, stopping mental health problems happening before they emerge. But it can also help people and support people with mental health problems stay well as well um, so you know there's so many types of preventative approach there's like the primary prevention approach which looks at you know stopping mental health problems before they start then the secondary prevention approach um, which relates to those that are at higher risk of experiencing mental health problems because of biological characteristics or environmental factors or you know trauma experiences they've experienced um, and then it's that tertiary prevention as well that is helping people with mental health problems stay well too um, because it's okay to have a mental health problem it's finding out what works for you and what your coping mechanisms can be as well and empowering people to manage their symptoms brilliant absolutely thank you guys so the last the last bit before we kind of summarize what our best hints and tips are 
so that people can kind of take that away from this session is just, you know, work is the biggest thing that we do in our lives, apart from, you know, you mentioned Shahan about looking after yourself you've got to have a really good relationship with yourself and your parent and, and whatever it's work is there the big one of the biggest things that we all do and it can play such a really positive but also really could potentially be quite a negative impact on our mental health so just very succinctly how we'll start with you again Shahani how can we make work like work for us how can we make it the best I always talk about that work-life integration because there is not really such a thing as a balance because you always do work more than you do home life but how can we make it work for us just a, a very succinct I think firstly it's recognizing that work is actually good for us mm. um, and it has a really positive impact on our mental health because it gives us that sense of identity when we have you know good working relationships we feel that positivity and that steady routine structure um, sense of value and you know being able to have opportunities and gain achievements as well it's a whole contribution piece so it's recognizing that work is actually good for us but it's also recognizing that when we aren't managing all of that and when we might not feel like we're control work can have that negative impact on our mental health too so experiencing things like workplace stress or poor working relationships or you know stigma and belief about being treated unfairly or things like that that might impact us in the workplace and again I know I keep going on about it but the key for me in the workplace has always been reflection as well and communication and I think it's being comfortable to communicate about your own positive experiences in work and your negative experiences as well and don't be afraid to reach out and step out of your comfort zone to make it work for you too. Brilliant. And anything to add to that? Yeah, I would add that one of the um, key causal factors for mental health issues is having a lack of meaning or lack of purpose in our lives. Right. And I think when it comes to work and that work, homework integration that you're talking about we spend a lot of our lives at work it's important to understand the value of our of our work as Shahani was talking about so finding the meaning in our work as well and sometimes we do have to explore that and reflect on that and and talk about that with our line manager and what how does the importance of our work feed into the um, overall values of the organization the goals and targets of the organization and how do our goals and targets our individual targets feed into that and support the overall organizational goals I think that's quite important um, I think also we can make work work for us by developing our networks as well mm. obviously for professional professional purposes but also socially where we are social creatures by design we spend a lot of our time at work and we want to make sure that we able to have that social integration to support ourselves to recognize that when we do need to reach out we have that um, that availability for us for support fabulous Christy yeah absolutely um, agree with everything that's been said um, particularly work being good for us um, and we often talk about work-related stress, stress at work. Um, actually, a little bit of stress at work is good for us. I say in inverted commas, good stress, um, but it helps <laughs> to spur us on. It helps us to feel motivated, to feel challenged. Um, that little bit of a cortisol helping us to, uh, to, get, to get through, to keep going, but it's when we flood ourselves with that, it becomes too much, it becomes overwhelmed when we don't give us that rest, when we've got too many different things going on. So I think um, particularly at the moment, as everyone's working life has changed quite significantly, I think quite a detrimental factor to work can be that always on culture. So yeah. always feeling that you're, um, you have to be available 24 seven. And 
obviously a big part that plays into that is technology. Um, a lot of us are now working from home. We can be contacted in a number of different ways. And <laughs> so often, many ways. <laughs> often we feel... Because we're working from home, we feel like we have to um, can quite quickly sort of slip into those bad habits. If we haven't got the commuting time, we're not we're probably working. We're not taking as long a lunch break breaks. We're not having those ad hoc chats with yeah. our colleagues and things, which would naturally break up the day. No one talks to me at work anyway. So that's <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie, Beth. Um, it can it can feed into us working too much, and I think sometimes the easiest way to think about mental health is to make a comparison to physical health you wouldn't run a marathon every single day I know I certainly wouldn't our bodies would there give are some up people that have done that actually, <laughs> <quite> <laughs> <recently>. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't my, okay. my body would give up I would ache I would have trouble walking um, and I would need to rest I would need to take a break from that physical activity just as you do from work you need to allow yourself downtime um so particularly when you've got laptops phones and things at home just really being strict being um what we talk about is digital resilience and knowing when to switch off and not being consumed by that always on culture so making sure that you're taking breaks um, and just really reduce our risk of becoming fatigued, becoming exhausted, um, leading to that burnout piece. So just thinking about, again, proactively engaging with those techniques to minimise the, the risk of that exhaustion, of that fatigue, of that occupational burnout as it is um, setting in. So things like practising, knowing, managing realistic expectations and going back to what Shahani said, that communication piece um, is so, so important. We've also got a podcast on digital well-being as well, looking at your digital <laughs> habits. So we've got it all there. This is the whole package of, of on this well-being podcast. So thank you so much, guys. I mean, this has been, I've just, I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. I love doing these webinars, uh, these podcasts, and these in particular has been uh, a really good one because I'm doing it with, with my team. <laughs> so what we've been, we've been going all the way through, um, we've com covered so many different areas. We've talked about um, kind of, the relationship between mentally being mentally healthy and well-being we've talked about proactiveness and making you know the importance of being proactive when it comes to kind of making yourself as mentally healthy as possible remember that bit about being healthy it isn't just about not being ill um, as Shahani said at the beginning it's about being healthy um, and looking after your lifestyle your emotions your physical health there's a whole combination of things just to be healthy and that is that being well piece that that um christy was talking about is that that whole package and then we talked about you know the relationship between well-being proactivity and reducing the the likelihood or the impact or mitigating the risk of having a, a mental health uh, diagnosis which is what Anne was talking about and then finally just thinking about all the things that we could be doing at work right now during 2020 in in you know that Jumanji year thinking about what we can be doing to, to look after ourselves so I've collated a few of the things that the guys have said in terms of the hints and tips for that kind of prevention and proactive management of of your mental well-being and we, you know we talked about that toolkit mindfulness and rest focusing on self taking time for you and self-care having a good sleep routine 
I talked about exercise and the importance of of really keeping yourself active, that minimum of 150 minutes a week, um, ideally 30 minutes a day and getting out and doing your doing your exercise and getting that kind of fresh air. Have any of you guys got any extra hints and tips that you would want to be adding to that list? I'm going to jump in first um, because I think it's just a framework that really nicely summarises a lot of the things that we've spoken about um, today. And well-being is quite um, sort of individual to that person. It's the way we assess our own lives. So I feel like a framework that really helps with this is the five ways to well-being. Yes, I knew um, someone would say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so, so simple and it seems so obvious, but just the smallest changes when we're thinking about this can have the biggest impact. So the five ways to well-being are give, connect, keep learning, take notice and be active. Um, for me in 2020 Jumanji year, the one that is, um, I think the ones that have stood out as really important is that connect piece. Um, and I think it's really highlighted. So connect before, um, before this lockdown scenario was really about those those personal connections, those face-to-face -face connections. Now it's been difficult obviously doing that with the restrictions and everything that's been going on and there's been a lot of different platforms that people can use but I think it's still highlighted the importance of those social support of that connections with other people I know if I'm having a, a bit of a down day a good moan to someone talking through <laughs> what just getting things off my chest that that connection piece is so so important um and also take notice I think we can, going back to that reflection piece, if we try and think more positively about things, to so try and focus on the positives, the take notice piece is one that really works for me. As Beth mentioned, in our jobs, we travelled a lot. Um, we would always be here, there and everywhere moving at 100 miles an hour and never really have time for that take notice piece. So we try and get it in where I could sort of uh, there's a particularly nice sunrise or sunset but I feel like now we have really been given the opportunity to enjoy being in that moment look for the positives um reconnecting with nature um I've started feeding squirrels out <laughs> from from my balcony just a little five minutes each day um which I just wouldn't have done before it's things that would just never uh, I wouldn't have had time to do but when you start actively thinking about your well-being so just the five ways to well-being they're probably things that people do most days um but once you change your mindset into thinking I'm doing this for my well-being that in itself has that positive impact, that whole change of mindset. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, five ways to well-being, so simple, but with such a, a big impact. And I know when I've started feeling a bit rubbish, um, I reflect back and I know, well, I haven't exercised this week. I haven't really spoken to anyone. Um, I haven't taken time to sort of learn anything new or do anything that interests me. And you can qu quickly see how that starts to then have that knock-on effect of us starting to feel a bit rubbish um, again. So it's just, just a framework that I try and use each week just checking off all five of them with just the littlest things. Has anyone else got anything to add to that? Because that is pretty much 
everything we talk about all the time anyway but <laughs> everything, <laughs> anything oh, extra sorry. to add <laughs> um I would I mean they certainly... all want to try and get in now don't they <laughs> go on Anne yes um, um I think I think Christy has really summed it up really well with the five ways to well-being I would just perhaps build on some of Christy's comments, especially around reflection. So I think something that doesn't get a lot of airplay, but fortunately there's a lot of research going into it now is self-compassion and how important that is to help support our well-being and our mental health as well. So uh, as humans, things go wrong, things go wrong all the time and it's about how we respond to that. So taking time out to appreciate that, you know, it's okay, I've made a mistake, be kind to myself. How can I improve and learn from this? And that in turn builds our confidence and our competence and our capacity and capability. And then that helps reestablish our well-being and our mental health. So being kind to ourselves is not something that we're probably used to doing, but I would certainly encourage people to find ways to be able to be more forgiving and focus on practice makes progress uh, rather than beating ourselves up. Nice, nice. I like that. That's a good one. And anything else to add to that, Shahani? She's very now. tough. She was at the end. <laughs> it's really what tough. My team are great. They've given you great <laughs> points here. Um, I like. I'd like to leave you with like a phrase. I think. And forgive me, I'm no mechanic, but I think we all know that you know to keep a car going, you need to fill it with petrol. Um, you need to check the oil. Uh, do the water. Check the water regularly. Give That's the give the tire. Well, yeah. <laughs> give the tires <laughs> some air. Um, and no, no, we've probably been neglecting our cars during the current situation, but you using it as a phrase and you know even a bank balance you know to see a bank balance grow we need to make steady deposits and it's really thinking about how often do we actually take time to reflect on whether we're giving ourselves what we need to flourish and live well like we do to everything else that goes on in our lives so again just to build on you know what the ladies have already said um, it's really about thinking about what makes that works makes things work for you and what works well for you um, I would always encourage people to just get involved and join in in things be a part of something um, that you know you have common interests in and that you enjoy build your confidence you know learning really does improve our mental fitness and you know taking on new challenges stepping out of your comfort zone and also just being comfortable in your own skin everyone is unique and that should be celebrated and you need to get to know who you are and what actually makes you happy and finally setting yourself those realistic goals I can't tell you how many times I've set myself unrealistic goals and fallen off the bandwagon. I think most people can relate to, you know, the dieting and exercise side of things where, you know, you overcompensate or you put too much in and you fall fall off that bandwagon. And it's setting yourself those realistic goals so you can achieve that task one at a time um, and that it works for you, really. So that's what I want you to leave you with. And also, finally, sorry, um, reach out for help when you need it because everyone needs support from time to time. Thank you, guys. I have absolutely nothing to add to that because there is a really comprehensive summary of what we, you know, what we would suggest as a team, as a group. And this is why I'm so proud of you guys uh, for everything that you do every single day. And thank you so much for participating in the Being Well, Being You podcast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, It's been really, really insightful. The next podcast is in September. And we will be talking about the relationship between lifestyle and cancer. So hope you can join us then. If you've enjoyed this, please like, please share it with your um, friends or family, colleagues, etc. And we look forward to joining you for the next one. Thank you very much. Thank you.